Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Millennial Debt, and my interview with Morty's Rob Heck on current market trends and what to expect in the second half of 2022 for the mortgage industry. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry. The firm has consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in Mortgage, Accounting Today Firms to Watch, and the fastest growing firms. The firm has also received multiple awards for excellence in firm culture from inside public accounting. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. Wealth is the value of assets owned minus the liabilities owed. The new U.S. Census Bureau report and detailed tables on household wealth in 2019 show wide variations across demographic and socioeconomic groups, but also detailed generational wealth differences for the first time. Home prices and rental rates are far outpacing income gains, meaning millennials must spend significantly more of their earnings on housing than previous generations. The average millennial spends 47% of their gross monthly income on housing, roughly one and a half more times than the 30% experts recommend for financial health. Millennial debt is a big deal as millennials are feeling the strain of rising housing costs on their finances. Almost one in three, or 29%, say they can't afford their mortgage, and one in five, or 20%, say they can't afford their rent. In an emergency, one in four, 25%, doubt they could pay a $500 expense out of pocket. It's no wonder 41% of millennials feel pessimistic about their finances. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the podcast, Rob Heck, VP of Mortgage at Morty, Digital Mortgage Marketplace. Rob leads Morty's origination team, which combines technology with mortgage expertise to serve buyers as they navigate the mortgage and home buying process. Since joining Morty in the early days of the company in 2016, he has helped scale the team to serve thousands of homebuyers and process nearly $1 billion in loans. Prior to Morty, Robert worked as a mortgage-backed securities trader at Morgan Stanley, and he holds degrees in applied mathematics and economics from the University of California, Berkeley. How are you working to maintain origination volume? I've, I've heard of things like new programs being rolled out, new channels, or even uh, companies trying to increase production personnel specifically. Generally, we've been seeing similar trends as what you see across the industry when you're looking at just like overall application volume. Um, We've been purchase centric for the past five years. And so I think that has, uh, I mean, that ended up positioning us well in terms of um, some of the the macro changes that we've seen uh, in terms of just like production volume and production composition overall this year. that that being said, I think like given the the volatility of the market and the 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 uh, I guess gravity of the move in interest rates, um, I, I think we 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 have seen a really a uh, huge pickup in just like buyer as well as borrower activity, and so like um, a lot of other lenders in in the industry were, were hyper focused on trying to meet consumers um where where they are in the process and a lot of that is sort of um i guess rooted in expanding our marketplace expanding the offerings adding 
insurance type policies to our loan programs to help people navigate this this volatile, less affordable housing market uh, as it currently stands. Um, I think that has been sort of our, our priority over the last six months. And that's what we've been really doing to try to keep up with our users uh, as well as maintain volume. Um, we've rolled out about eight new loan programs over the first half of the year, uh, as well as a lot of additional features in terms of just extending lock periods, adding like TBD locks, float down options. Um, I, I think those are those are some of the the popular um, programs and collateral out there that we've been seeing roll, rolled out over the first six months. Um, I think, as you probably know, there's been a lot or a big push around um, pre-underwritten files um, or, or fully underwritten approvals that, that are going out before people get their offers accepted. And, and so um, we've been we've been really focused on on adding as many of those uh, product and program features uh, to allow our users navigate the housing market as well as this like rising rate environment. Last week, the Fed hiked rate hiked rates 75 basis points. Can you talk about in general the impact of rate hikes on the summer housing market, which is traditionally uh, a very strong season for uh, housing and, and originations? At this point, we have seen the market and mortgage rates as well as treasury rates uh, settle in a bit relative to the first half of the year. Um, I think this the most recent Fed hike of 75 basis points, as well as the, the June hike of 75 basis points, um, both have been fairly well forecasted and predicted by the, the secondary markets. And so we, we actually have not seen any major changes in interest rate or federal funds futures expectations through that process. And so um, we, with that, I think the the volatility as well as some of these like major rate swings higher that we saw in in April and, and June uh, of the first half of the year um, ha have definitely uh, come down a lot. And so I think that should lend for um, a, a healthy summer summer buying period. Um, I think remains to be seen what, what the full impact is on uh, but just in terms of like us being now in a higher rate environment or a less affordable environment, um, I think I tend to shift the focus, especially when we're just talking about like home purchase volume to the supply side of the real estate market right now, because I still think that there is a lot of ground to be covered there um, before we, we we see the full impact of the interest rate increases that that have come out over the first six months of the year. We're also keeping a very close eye on economic data points as well as Fed forecasting over the next two months. Uh, I think we're, again, like kind of like finding or we, we've seen the market shift a bit or like hit an inflection point. I think if you look back at the uh, CPI print from the beginning of July, right? That was really the first time where we had some major economic data released at much higher than expected and the market actually rallied right I, I think the sentiment has shifted more towards are we going to have a recession in 2023 fed funds futures are, are pointing towards the fed having to lower interest rates in 2023 um there's also just 
more of an acceptance that we've hit peak inflation potentially, or we've hit the point where inflation will be coming down due to a contracting economy, um, GDP down for a second quarter. So again, I, I think all, all of that is sort of pointing towards the fact that we have sort of hit a slightly different um, environment in terms of inflationary expectations uh, within the secondary market, which has largely been dr driving interest rates higher for the first half of the year. We're still on shaky ground. There is volatility is not necessarily representative or like VIX or anything else you want to look at in terms of a volatility indicator is maybe not representative of how much the market could move. If there is a major change in the, the Federal Reserve stance on fighting inflation or inflationary expectations, um, anything like that that is released uh, over the course of August, September could impact the market a lot and it could increase rates a lot and so i think that to me is going to be the the catalyst for us seeing the home buying season interrupted otherwise i think it should be fairly stable for my friends out there that know i work in mortgage they they're always going well the fed just hiked rates 75 basis points why aren't mortgage rates going up 75 basis points and i think that question even extends to a lot of production staffs out there uh, can you explain to our listeners why if the, the Fed hikes rates a certain amount, why mortgage rates don't immediately move the same and, and why, that, why that relationship exists? There are a couple ways to frame it and think about it. From a, a secondary market perspective, and the more, the more technical answer is going to come down to duration of MBS with regards to any type or the bulk of mortgages that are being originated out there, their terms or loan terms or the ex expectation of, of those loans being repaid uh, extend out anywhere from two to 30 years based on the, the actual like term that a consumer is getting. I think the duration of those bonds, if you're looking at it from an investor's perspective, are obviously shorter due to prepayment risk. Um, that being said, they are longer and the, the, the duration is, is longer than short term and federal funds treasury rates. Uh, and so when you're actually looking at the value of a mortgage from an investor's perspective or a secondary market perspective, you're valuing it over uh, a much longer period of time, as well as different areas of the treasury yield curve. Um, not just the Fed funds rate, which is the, the shortest dated um, rate that you, you will see. And, and this is really why um, you're not going to see a one-for-one -one shift in mortgage rates or bond prices when the Fed funds rate changes. Um, again, like mortgages are a credit asset tied to real estate. Um, so between that, as well as the fact that these are priced out as a spread product to treasuries over uh, many different durations. Um, I, I think that's probably the the main sort of like technical component I would point to uh, as to why it's not moving one for one with the Fed funds rate. Anytime you're you're looking at uh, treasury rates, which are perceived to be risk free versus a, a credit asset, um, you're, you're going to have some some variance uh, in terms of like the value of the, of the bond and the rates uh, that is more or less impacted by volatility in the market, um, as well as other exogenous factors. 
people go shopping for car insurance or they go shopping for hotel deals or airplane flights online. But a, a, a mortgage is arguably the biggest financial commitment one will make in their lifetime. And it's, it seems like it's taken way too long for a genuine, transparent marketplace to arise for borrowers out there looking for mortgage loans. Uh, so I, I really applaud what you're doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go off script here for a second and say, why do you think it sure. took so long for that to come to the mortgage marketplace? Obviously, you guys have exploited a, a magnificent opportunity here, but it was, it was missing before. Why, why was it missing? At the, at the end of the day, I think the, the, the core piece of that question or equation that we're looking to solve for is that there are just there's so many like unique pieces or components of the mortgage market and the mortgage industry from consumer when they decide that they maybe want to buy a home all the way to servicing and the warehouse lines and everything else that goes into like actually originating funding, selling these mortgages into the secondary market. And, and so I think mortgage in general is actually incredibly good at figuring out how to like carve out specific markets, specific areas of the, the entire like US opportunity size and, and make it profitable, right? Um, the, there, there are so many like brokers, lenders um, out there that we, we work with that um, I have conversations with that are like all doing really incredible things. I think where there's a gap is that th there's just, there's a lack of sort of, again, this like connectivity between the consumer and the end product that truly like optimizes for that user experience as well as the, the, the end result of owning the home and buying the mortgage. Um, and I think there, there are a lot of reasons that, that could be driving that, right? And I think like one of the reasons why we at Morty do like the broker model, wholesale broker model is the fact that QC, um, warehouse lines, risk, a lot of these things that are just like very, very capital and infrastructure intensive are things that we, we work very closely with our partners on to, to work to optimize. Um, but, but we're able to like shift some of our resources and our focus to the consumer and to the marketplace and to trying to like objectively connect users to the, to the right endpoint, right? And that, that's rooted in education. And so I think there's just, there's a bit of a misalignment in unit economics in the traditional sense with this model. Um, which is partially why it hasn't done. I also think that like the, the the general structure of the mortgage market sort of rooted in three major channels, right? Like we have retail, we have correspondent, and we have wholesale brokering. And like all three of those compete against each other. And, and, and so it, it makes it very difficult to craft a marketplace that has a ubiquitous user experience as well as any sort of easy way for even professionals to navigate. Right, um, and, and so I think there's a lot more, a lot more room to grow here. There, there's a lot of ground to cover. I think like we're we're really excited to continue just like working with industry professionals, regardless of whether or not they're in the wholesale channel as well as other channels, to figure out if they're unique and, and new ways for us all to be working together. Really to to figure out where are the lenders that are the best at certain things that match best with the consumers that need it or are looking for it. And, and so that, that's really sort of like our, our, our ethos and like our, our perspective on what the industry needs. Um, and 
yeah, I think 2008 kind of slowed things down um, from the standpoint, right? There, there was a lot of uh, it, just the industry in general went somewhat restrictive um, as it needed to. And so that slowed down anyone really being able to focus on like tying all the dots and piecing this together. Yeah, as you mentioned there, you're slightly market agnostic, but I want to close by asking you to pull out your crystal ball here. What do you see for the mortgage industry uh, for the remainder of this year, 2022, which which has not been great so <laughs> far, to put it mildly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, if if I were if I were still trading, I probably would have would have had to walk off the floor about three times this year because um, every time that I thought we were going to either see rates come back down or even my initial viewpoint of us maybe getting the 5% over the next 12 months uh, has been just completely off base. Um, And so I definitely think that as, as I'm reflecting upon the first six months, as well as looking forward to the rest of the year, I, it, it does, it does feel like, the market has reacted um, in a way that allows us to again settle in a bit here over the next six months. Um, I still, I still do think that the opportunity for exogenous factors coming into the market and really like violently changing interest rates um, exists, right? And so, I think credit. MBS also um, are, are wide relative to treasuries uh, over the first six months of the year. I would expect that to continue just because there are still so many things that could impact rates and, and credit just as an asset class. Um, that being said, like I think there are some competing pack factors here, right? Like lenders have largely now had six months to adjust to this new market environment. Um, a lot of the focus has been on shifting focus into purchase as well as figuring out what to do with um, resources that were were previously being leveraged for like the refi boom of the last few years. Uh, and so I think we probably will see lenders competing over or continuing to compete for the same users and the same user base. And like that in general should lower mortgage rates a bit for consumers um, if we're, if we're holding everything else constant. And so I guess like, if I had to make my best guess, I think we're going to be kind of stuck in a range here for the rest of the 2022 um, in a similar range to what we're currently seeing. And it'll probably be fairly volatile and jump around a lot. Again, I think like that always needs to be caveated with some of the, the potential major market movers that we're not necessarily predicting. Um, good example, right? If the Fed comes out and decides that they just like clearly don't, have control of inflation, like we're seeing wage inflation going up a lot. Like th- there's there's no reason for them to, or or there's nothing preventing them from actively selling MBS into the market. Like, and I think we we haven't actually seen that. We haven't seen what that do to does or will do to mortgage rates. The float has been constricted so much over the last 15 years. So like there are still things out there that could dramatically move rates. So it's really tough for me to just like confidently say that like, okay, we're going to, we're going to see things tighten into the end of the year and we'll probably hover between five and five and a half percent. But if things were to remain somewhat stable, we have seen peak inflation, economic indicators don't get too bad. Wage inflation isn't going up 
unemployment isn't going up, foreclosure rates remain steady, then I think we're we're going to see this like high four percent on thirty year fixed to mid fives. I you, you probably actually have more just like hands on experience with this side of the market, but like I think non banks warehouse lines like that is an area that I want to keep a very close eye on. Um, like Fed funds futures have adjusted to where the, the the terminal Federal Reserve or Fed funds rate will end up. That being said, like front end of the curve has not, right? And so like a lot of these non-banks to your point earlier, haven't actually seen the full extent uh, of their, their cost of capital and their carry just being completely blown up. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to see how well the, those banks or whether or not they've, they have the ability to sort of like prep given all of the, the, the craziness of the first six months of the year. So um, I think that could actually also have a bit of a weird impact on the market. So um, it, it's something we'll be, we'll be monitoring closely. Excellent points. Rob, I want to thank you for making the time and I uh, look forward to having you back on soon. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Any anytime. Yesterday, Rocket Mortgage, part of Rocket Companies, announced the introduction of a home equity loan. And why not, given the amount of home equity that is out there? The Federal Reserve tells us that there is $28 trillion. At the same time, the country's total household debt stood at $15.84 trillion as of the first quarter of 2022. trillion higher than at the end of 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic, per a report from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The report also showed that credit card balances in the first quarter were $71 billion higher than in 2021. Through Rocket's program, homeowners can access $45,000 to $350,000 of their home's equity and 10 or 20-year term fixed-rate loans while maintaining at least 10% equity in their home. This new product fits well into Rocket's platform, providing a financial solution no matter the need. Consumers looking for smaller loan amounts can secure $2,000 to $45,000 from sister company Rocket Loans. Guild Mortgage announced a new program that offers an alternative method to measure credit risk for borrowers. A more inclusive path to homeownership addressing needs of minority homebuyers, Guild's complete rate program, powered by Form Free, evaluates rent and other consistent payment history in place of traditional credit reports for home loans. Guild's complete rate program was created to help first-time homebuyers with no credit score and is available for FHA, USDA, and VA home loans. Not to be outdone, Guaranteed Rate launched fully digital personal loans. The company's new personal loans provide a frictionless digital solution to personal loans with an application that takes just 10 minutes to complete and funds up to $50,000 received within hours. The launch of Guaranteed Rate's personal loans comes after a wave of recent strategic hirings and product announcements such as its recently launched HELOCs. Looking at yesterday's and this week's bond market, and therefore interest rates, rates continue lower. Why? Expectations of a recession, although the Fed is hoping for the rare soft landing. Certainly, it doesn't want stagflation. Yesterday, we saw a deceleration in the ISM Manufacturing Index for July, and a slight softening in the final manufacturing PMI reading for July. The clear slowdown in manufacturing activity was highlighted by the contraction in new order activity, employment, and the biggest monthly drop in the prices index since June 2010. We received some important employment indicators this week, including job openings and the employment situation report, and the bond market treaded water to open the week. Today's economic calendar begins later this morning with Redbook same-store sales, 
and will be followed by Jolt's job openings. With the Fed no longer in a blackout period, two Fed presidents are scheduled to speak, starting with Chicago's Evans, who will be followed by St. Louis's Bullard. Today's schedule sees the desk in Gini 2s for up to $497 million, or 4% through 5%. And we begin Tuesday with agency MBS prices better by a few ticks, 30 seconds, and the 10-year yielding 2.55 after closing yesterday at 2.61% due to thoughts of the economy slowing. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. What would you get if a dinosaur kicked you in the backside? A mega sore ass. <laughs> to stay competitive in this market, lenders need to find efficiencies and understand their operations in a much deeper way. Richie Mays Consulting, Business Intelligence, and Automation Services are designed by mortgage experts to help you continue to drive growth and increase profitability. Visit richiemay.com slash advisory to learn more about how you can differentiate your business or set up a meeting with one of Richie May's experts. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, Search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.